Most, if not all, kids have experienced some form of teasing. You know, that occasional name-calling, maybe ignoring, snickers behind your back, finger-pointing. Unfortunately, this kind of situation is not uncommon in schools and on playgrounds. But bullying is different and much more serious. Bullying is defined as seeking to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. October is National Anti-Bullying Month. Let's talk about this issue today. From homes like yours, this is K-12 on learning. Here we discuss the K-12 online learning experience. We talk online schools, the challenges and strengths of online learning, and explore everything from kindergarten to career readiness in high school. There's a lot to talk about these days when it comes to online schools and learning from home. I'm Heidi Higgins. I've experienced the K-12 online world for nearly 20 years. I've seen it work in my home with my own children and now with my grandchildren. I would like to help you see how it can work for you. Welcome to K-12 on Learning. Thanks for joining me today. We've invited Amy Boyd, our K-12 National Director of Family Programming, and Fabian Ramirez, a bullying prevention expert, to join us on the podcast today. But before they begin, I'd like to play a clip from an Alabama news broadcast with one of our students. I think that you will find it heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. Jasper mother and her son are pleading to anyone who is being bullied tonight to speak out. Good evening, I'm Jack Royer. I'm Sherry Jackson. Speaking out is exactly what this family has been doing, and it's making a difference. CBS 42 News reporter Hillary Simon joins us now with their story. And Hillary, he was bullied because of how he walks. Sherry, that's right. Noah Baker has a bone disease that makes him walk with a limb. And he said kids noticed and started picking on him. But it got to the point they were violent, so he spoke up. Noah seems like your average goofy 13-year-old boy. I got my friends. <laughs> but two years ago, his mom said he was a different kid. He was very recluse. He really didn't want to talk to nobody. He just stayed to himself. You know, he was not very outgoing. And now he's just, he's like a ball of energy. He's everywhere. He loves it and he tries to help everybody. Noah was in the fifth grade when he was bullied at school because of his genetic bone disease that causes irregular growth in his legs. He's had nine surgeries. He was getting called gimp, crib, because of his legs, and they were pushing him, and he came home one day saying that one of the kids had kicked him in his legs. One time they shoved me down a hill, and that just... That was just it for me, so I went home and told my mom. Soon after, Noah enrolled in ALVA, Alabama Virtual Academy, an online public school. His mom says Noah eventually came back to his regular self, but she's still shocked this all happened. Because that, that, that's your baby. You're trusting the school to take care of their child, and they're coming home with knowing that they've been abused like that. I never in a million years would think he would be, dis- he would be disabled or be bullied because of it. I thought that the school was supposed to be a protective place, somewhere you can go to feel safe, but it wasn't for me. I'd rather have went to, um, went to jail or something like that instead of school, but that's how bad it was. Noah says he hopes during National Anti-Bullying Month, people speak up and stop bullying. Now, Noah said the kids that bullied him did apologize, but he said the damage was already done. He says he loves his online public school and can continue all the way to high school graduation. In the studio, Hillary Simon, CBS 42 News, local coverage you can count on. 
Hi and welcome. I'm Amy Boyd and I'm the National Director of Family Programming here at K-12. I work with parents and students all across the nation and one thing I hear often is how bullying affects the entire family. For this reason, we've invited Fabian Ramirez, a bullying prevention expert, to be here with us today to share some strategies that parents can use to support a child who's being bullied. Welcome, Fabian. Yeah, hi, I'm Fabian Ramirez. Uh, it's an honor to be here with you guys and share uh, some of the tips that I always give parents during parent nights uh, in some of the schools that I attend. And usually I attend schools uh, where there is a bullying situation or something happened at the school, and they'll bring some somebody like me to come in and talk about prevention, uh, which you cannot put in a box. But today, uh, we want to share some uh, information with you that I think will help you and some skills that you can use and implement and use with your students right away. So I'm excited to be here with you guys. So what is bullying? So bullying, it, it's, it's everybody tries to put bullying like to a, in a box. And that's where I come in and say, look, bullying can happen in so many ways, whether it's online, offline. And so it, it just kind of gets it gets lost in translation. And then for students, that's why they don't even end up wanting to talk about bullying because what happens is that we put so much pressure and it kind of gets skewed and blurry. And just like a confused buyer will never buy, well, a confused student will never follow any kind of policy we put into place. So when we get back to, okay, what is bullying? So different things happen, all right? So here's one thing that happens in schools. What happens is one kid can kind of pick on another kid and they're having fun, they're having a good time. And then they, they can walk away and there's no like unequal balance of power. That's what the definition usually comes down to. And what we say in that situation is just teasing. And I, I, I bring that up at the very beginning because most bullying that kids report is actually comes out to be teasing. Right. Like there, there's a solution. Uh, they're just playing around. It's like like mama jokes. Remember the mama jokes that kids usually say to each other? That's teasing. They walk away laughing now. When a mama joke crosses the line, and, and now you talk about my mom, and but my mom's actually going through something, then guess what? Now we have what we call conflict. So bullying can actually be in conflict. That's where it's like, okay, you said something to me, but my mom is actually going through something. Now, conflict can actually be resolved. See, most kids who cannot resolve conflict on their own, meaning they don't have the proper training to resolve conflict, it ends up escalating into what can be bullying behavior especially if they don't address it in the right way. I walk away hurt, and they say, you know, I'm gonna come back at you because you hurt me. See, that's, what, that's how bullying usually starts. Now, the actual definition, and when you see bullying happen on, on school campuses, it's something that happens repetitive. It happens over and over. Uh, sometimes it is physical, and it is on purpose. Like someone's waking up every day, going to school, going, I'm gonna target this person, and then someone becomes a target. And I always tell students, that's the moment you need to start saying something. If it happens over and over and over, that's, that's bullying to, to the definition that we have. Fabian, what are the warning signs that a child is being bullied? Sure. You know, I always tell parents, look, you're the parent. You know your kid, right? And so because you know your kid, uh, you know when your kid is happy. You know when your kid is sad. And then you also know when your kid is having some challenges. So if I drop off my kid at school, having a good day and I know that they're in a good mood and that I just bought them a favorite toy or whatever it is, mm -hmm. a game that they like to play online. Then I pick them up from school and it's a totally different child, totally different attitude. Okay, that's a warning sign, right? Not only that, but let's just say they they had something new, whether a new jewelry, piece of clothing, um, and then they come home without it. And I say, hey, where's your watch? Where's the new watch that I bought you? 
And they're like, the thing they used, they used to love, now they don't care anymore. I don't care about that watch. I, I, I lost it, mom. Or I left it somewhere and someone stole it. But it's okay. Well, I, don't, I didn't like it anyway. Okay, little things like that are like warning signs. We have to recognize the warning signs. And I always tell parents, man, at any time that bullying actually already happened, I mean, it's already escalated, you can actually backtrack and say, man, why did I, I should have asked more questions, right? Uh, I had that gut feeling within me as a parent because I know my kid and I didn't raise those yellow flags I should have along the way. And I always tell parents, address them. You know, physical, you'll, you'll be able to see it. You know, uh, if your kid usually takes his shirt off before he, he, you know, he goes, takes a bath, he's no longer doing that. You might want to consider asking the dad to go in there and just see, check his body out, see if there's any marks on, on the kid. Um, that's a huge warning sign. In fact, if you see something like that, that needs to be reported right away to authorities and to the, to the school to see if there's anything going on at school. So if a parent sees these types of warning signs, then how would you, how would you expect them to address those? Yeah, so first I would you know, talk to the kid, get the story straight, you know, and then uh, start. So if the kid says, yeah, there, there actually is something happening, and maybe it's in the community. It's sometimes it's not even in school. But going to whoever is in charge of wherever your kid is at and going, it could be in a, a restaurant, wh wherever the place, and just say, here's what happened. My kid said it happened in, in your care, for example, let's just say the school. So then again, the principal, counselor, vice principal, usually one of those three would be the people that say, okay, and they should have a protocol in place. And we just follow that protocol. What do we do next? Do we, most of the time you, you contact the uh, school police and school police will get involved. And then uh, again, it all goes down the chain of protocol. So who are the typical bullies on a campus? You know, a lot of times people actually think that it's like the popular kids, you know, the kids that can walk around campus, the, the quarterback, and he can just push people around against lockers or whatever. And it's not the popular kids. And usually most of the time, the popular kids are only popular at school and they're not popular at home. Right. And so what I like to bring out to, to people when they talk about bullying is that the classic bully was actually a victim first. See, we never think about that. We never think about the student. In fact, a lot of schools have policies in place that says, you know, you see signs around campus, no bully on campus. This is a bully free zone. And really for that kid, what that means is I don't want you here. You know, and, and really that's not what we, that's not the message we want to give the kids. We don't want the behavior here, but we want you, we care about you as a person, but you need help because picking on other people, physical, that is not normal behavior. So it's highly likely that, that they're hurting about something. You know, there's a term that, uh, Counselors, if you have any kind of counselor training, they tell you, you know, that hurt people hurt people. Like people who have been hurt in their past, it's highly likely they might hurt somebody else in the future, you see. And so if you don't get help, what happens is it creates this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Because somebody who is hurting, it is natural for every human being who is hurting, it's natural for them to want to transfer their hurts onto another person. And so hurt people hurt people. But, you know, I don't like to just bring up problems and not try to give solutions. So not only do hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people and that is why i always tell students look go get the help you need you know going and seeing and talking to a counselor is not a weakness a lot of times students actually think it's a weakness it's not it's a strength everybody wants to be physically healthy i'm gonna go work out i'm gonna go pump iron and i always talk to students about that because it's true but no one wants to talk about being emotionally healthy mm. and so when you go speak and talk to a counselor and you can vent just being able to just transfer your emotions and put them into words it's a very healthy thing uh, for for kids to learn how to do and that's again that's a skill mm -hmm. it's a learned behavior 
And so we need to teach kids how to vent. And that's where parents come in. Parents, stop asking like closed-ended question. How is your day-to-day is a, clo- a closed-ended question, right? How is your day-to-day is going to get good? Okay. And that, that means, you know what that means? That means leave me alone, mom. Leave me alone, dad. Stop asking me. You need to go a little further, go a little deeper, right? As parents, we're collectors of information. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. I want as much data on my kid as possible. That way I can make the best assessment, right? And so I'll, I'll dig deeper. No, no, no. I, how was your day today is not going to work for me. How about on a scale of 1 to 10, how was your day? 1 being it was the worst day uh, of your life. 10 being, man, I can't wait to come back to school tomorrow. How was your day rated? Give me a number. See, I'm just getting information, right? Anything higher than a 5 is really good. Mm-hmm. Anything lower than a 5, I'm going to dig a little deeper, right? I'm going to say, well, what made it a 3? What would have made it a 7? You know? mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do as, as your mom or as your dad? To help that number get a little bit higher, you see that, and so that's the one. That's why you always got to go back to hurt people, hurt people. But man, let's get the the people that let's get the kids who are hurting the help that they need. Let's let's help them go through that healing process. So, Fabian, what can we do? What can we do as parents to help our kids be nice at school? Sure, you know, we all know that our kids are a reflection of really our upbringing. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And as scary as that sounds, it's, it's, the, it's just the honest truth, right? Um, and everybody who's probably watching this can, you know, shaking their head, you know, going, yeah, that's so true, you know. You show me, show me the kid and then show me the parent, and I can know why they act the way they do. But I like to say, and there's four words that are just huge, that cultural norms dictate behavior. And what I mean by cultural norms is this. When we go to school, when students come to school, every, every single student will come in with their own cultural norms. And I'm not talking about culture like I'm Hispanic and, you know, that has a little bit to do with it. But I'm talking about what has been passed on for me to my dad. What did he pass on to me? What did my parents say to me? And, and what do I truly value as a student already as a you know, middle school student who's, I don't know, 12 you know, or a high school student who's, you know, 16, 17. And, and sometimes you ask, why do I act the way I do? Well, it's because of the values that have been passed on to me. Right. So cultural norms. Uh, dictate behavior. We act the way we do because of our upbringing. Not only that, but our experiences. You know, some students, they just have bad experiences in the community. And so they see things and they hear certain things. And as students, what we can do, what we can, as parents, we can teach students to, to understand if you see something that you enjoy or that you like, and you can implement that behavior into your life. You see, in other words, you can create a new normal for yourself. And that's what we all do. It's just, it's like training. You almost train yourself, you know, mm-hmm. on how you're going to act. So you see people who are nice and respectful, and I'm like, what is he saying to be nice? I want to I want to start talking the way that he talks. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm going to make that my cultural norm. And by the time you know it, now I have all these cultural norms that guide me into being that that student, that solid student that I'm supposed to be. Right? It mm-hmm. dictates my behavior. So, Fabian, you gave us some great tips on how to ask, dig a little deeper when our kids come home and ask about their day. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips on helping us ask the question to students when you know something's wrong? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we said before how, like, we know our kid, right? So our kid comes home, and let's just say they're usually that talkative kid that is always talking. You, you understand your kid. Now, if they're not saying anything and they're being quiet— they're actually acting out. And so one of the things I say is, um, what you don't talk out, you act out. And that is for whoever. That's, you know, we're not talking about age at this point. That's anybody. What, what we don't talk about, we're gonna act out one day. 
And so, and I know this because I, I can go into, I don't know, in-school suspension, let's just, let's just take, or a juvenile, for example. I've, I've been in both. And as I, as I speak to students who have been in trouble, and usually they just do one thing. You know, most of those students will do one thing, two things, and that's why they're there. And so it's almost like a last chance before they get kicked out of school. Well, I sit down with these kids, and, and it always comes down to something that they're hurting about mm -hmm. almost every time. You know, maybe a dad left the home or maybe there's conflict at home between mom and dad. And, you know, we know that if, if, if the home environment is not stable, it's going to be hard for them to learn and thrive academically. And so what happens is they end up doing something they'll regret sometimes for the rest of their life. And this is where we come in. And that's why prevention is so important. We'll be able to come in and just talk to students about why it's important to open up, to share, because what they don't talk out, they will act out. And if your kid is acting out, meaning you know their behavior they're supposed to have, and all of a sudden they're uncontrollable, it's highly likely they need to talk to a counselor or somebody who can bring up exactly what is the root issue here, mm -hmm. right? Remember the classic bully was a victim first. Mm -hmm. So somewhere they were victimized and you don't even know as a parent, but if they can talk to someone that they trust and hopefully they trust you enough to be like, mom, dad, here's what's going on. But if not, it's always good to have a third party come in and be the neutral person in the room to get that kid to open up. So you mentioned that most schools have a protocol in place when um, there is suspected bullying. So are kids not utilizing this resource that's available for them? Yeah, some are, but what usually when I go to school, the majority of the counselors will say, we have this reporting process in place. It's on our homepage, right? Or mm -hmm. we even have an app. The district has an app and kids can go in there and they can anonymously say, uh, what is going on? I'm being bullied, right? But it's not being utilized the way we thought it was going to be, you know, because, you know, sometimes we have these high expectations that, you know, an app is going to fix it or whatever. But at the same time, I would say it doesn't matter. Just like any program, if you don't train me how to use it, I'm not going to use it. Right. And so one of the big trainings that we can give students is knowing the difference between snitching and reporting. Right. Because to them, it's snitching. Mm -hmm. Right. To us, it's reporting because we're adults like we know that. That we can help. We can we can come in and intervene if something is really happening. But to them, it's still snitching, right? And I know this because I went through this. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, part of my background is that I was picked on in middle school, and I didn't say a word. Why? Because of the stigma around snitching. You know, they, they, we used to say that snitches get stitches, right? In other <laughs> words, there was some kind of a physical consequence for me telling the truth. Now, for kids, it's exactly the same. You know, the times have changed. They don't use that anymore, but. It's in here. Remember, bullying is very psychological. And so you always think about worst case scenarios in your mind. Mm -hmm. And that that fear will keep you from actually speaking up. So here's the difference between snitching and reporting that I teach kids. All right. Mm -hmm. So snitching and it's very simple. Again, I got to make it simple for students to understand. Snitching is telling the truth, but wanting somebody to get in trouble. That's a snitch. Right. I want to see results yeah. and the results. He better go down. Right. He better get in trouble. He better get, you know, that's snitching. Remember, it's on your mind. However, reporting is telling the truth to an adult about what's going on, but wanting them to get help. Snitching, I want you to get in trouble. Reporting, I want you to get help. You see, there's a big nice. difference, even though you're saying the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And then I also give examples just to kind of help students, because sometimes students are like, well, yeah, but I still don't know what that looks like. Well, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> at the end of the year, after you finish all your grades, and the, the school usually sends home what we call a snitch card, right? No, it's not a snitch card. What is it? It's a, it's a report, report card. card. So we're reporting information. What are we doing? All we're doing is stating the facts. Now, whether you get in trouble, 
that's not on the school who sent the report card. Mm -hmm. It's on you, right? Same thing for, for students. Look, when, when someone decides to do something wrong, they also decided to get in trouble when they thought about doing it. Before they take something, a weapon to school, for example, they got in trouble the moment they decided to take that weapon to school. See that? Mm -hmm. They decided for themselves. I didn't decide that. All I did was report because we need help. If I don't say something, then something might happen. Yeah. And not only to me, but even to that kid. So I'm going to report because I want that person to get help, you see? Mm -hmm. um, even the news, like news, you know, we don't call them snitchers, right? Hey, you see that guy snitching on that company who's doing bad things? No, we call them what? We call them news reporters. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is reporting the facts. And why do we do that? Why? And if the company gets in trouble, it's on the company. It's not on the reporter. The company's not going to be like, I can't wait to get that reporter, right? Because he's reporting the facts about us. For us, man, we want to be in the business of helping people. And you do that by reporting students because it's not normal behavior mm -hmm. to put your hands on other people, to bring something to school, uh, to call me names every day, to call me out. That is not normal behavior. So they need to unlearn that behavior or learn that that behavior is not normal. It's such a powerful mindset. Yeah, it is. So Fabian, you mentioned that you were bullied in middle school. Can you share more about your experience? How did that affect you? Sure, absolutely. It actually happened on the first day of middle school, which is ironic, you know, because I, I love going to middle schools. In fact, the number one like age group that I usually talk to are usually those middle school students. So it's weird. I go back, you know, sometimes, you know, what, what was supposed to be bad for you, you can always turn it over for good, you know, and that's what I like to do. Just be able to. And that's the whole healed people heal mm -hmm. people. You know, I can, I can help share my experience and maybe help some of the kids in, in the process. So, yeah, it was very difficult. Uh, there was a gang member who was uh, selling drugs on campus, actually. That's what he was doing. And he assaulted me because I didn't want to purchase off of him. You know, I mean, who would want to on the first day of school? Like, you know, I, I had this upbringing that's more like, hey, if you get in trouble or don't do this, don't do that. And mm -hmm. my cultural norms were different. So it dictated my behavior. And so I didn't I never even thought about that. And so I was assaulted. And because of another cultural norm was like, I knew about snitching. That's why I didn't say a word. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm real big on those, even those concepts and training kids on, no, you, here's how my life could have been different, you know? So one of the ways that it actually affected me overall, after it's all said and done, was that it, um, I, I had a victim mentality mm -hmm. and I held it for a long time, all the way up to my high school experience. Uh, and a victim mentality looks like this. Uh, a victim will walk into a school or any establishment, but let's just say school since we're talking to uh, parents of students. A student will walk into a school and think to themselves, man, how are other people going to treat me? Mm -hmm. In other words, the focus is always on other people. I'm almost on the defense, you know? I almost walk in like scared, like kind of like, what's going to happen to me, you know? Well, of course I'm not going to want to go into school. It's like you're, I'm walking in like leaning back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to want to go to school. Uh, I did start to skip some some classes, especially those around his name was Jose uh, and so whenever I had Jose in my class I would try to skip those those classes uh, why because no one wants to be around unstable people mm -hmm. you know if you've ever been picked on that person becomes unstable to you so it's hard for, for for students to learn and thrive academically in an unstable environment and sometimes a physical school location can be that for students right it's, it's an unstable environment so yeah I started to skip, skip school and so Victim mentality is that I, your focus is always on other people. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, now I learned that what what leaders, how leaders act, and, and I say leaders, but it could be normal, healthy, just thriving people who want to succeed and do well in life. 
they walk into a school and they think to themselves, how can I treat other people? Mm -hmm. The focus is on how they're treating people, not on how others are treating them. See that? So as victims, a lot of times, and, and victims usually like to stay victims. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and sometimes just because they don't reach out for help. They don't reach out to those caring adults in their lives that they have to ask, hey, can you help me with this situation? Or can I talk through some things that I still am hanging on to? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and this happens so much, you know, especially with guys. There's a huge difference between uh, guys and the way girls communicate. And we know this, right? And I say this in schools, uh, but the majority of people who get in trouble in life in general are guys. Why? Because we, we have that victim mentality. Not only that, but we don't like to vent. We don't like to share our emotions, you know? So I always tell uh, guys, hey, you need to learn. That's a skill you need to learn. Mm -hmm. right? You don't want to stay a victim. You want to be a leader. I want you to walk head up high, walk into school and be like, man, I'm on, I'm on the offense, right? I'm in control. I'm not going to give my power away to other people. And, and that's what happens with, with so many, when victims, you give your power away. And now my focus is always on other people. And we want kids to be safe for one, mm -hmm. but two, we want them to also walk in going, man, I'm, I'm in charge of my life. I'm going to do well today in school. So Fabian, why did you not, did you not have the policy or support in place when you were going through bullying yourself or? Yeah, well, it, it goes back, it goes back to the cultural norms mm -hmm. that I adopted and not every cultural norm is, you know, obviously positive. And so one of the negative cultural norms that I kind of implemented in my life was about not wanting to be a snitch. Okay. And I, I had an older brother. We would watch like gangster movies. And mm -hmm. this is why you got to be careful of what you watch, <clears throat> the music you listen to. You know, everything has a message in it. And so some of those gangster movies, the message behind that movie was, hey, don't be a snitch. And I've, I actually saw how one gang would rival another gang and then certain things would happen. And for me, I honestly thought if I don't say a word, Mm -hmm. then my family's safe. Mm. You know, I, I'm helping my family by not saying anything. Remember, this was a gang member who was picking on me, so I don't know what his reach was. Mm -hmm. I'm 12 years old at this point, you know. And so I was like, I, I'm helping my family by not saying a word. Really? When you don't report, you become the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so hard to report because... Um, that person, yeah, something might happen to them. They might get in trouble for whatever reason. But remember, they decided to get in trouble, not me. I wish I would have had that kind of training or have somebody to kind of put their arm around me when I'm 12 years old and say, hey, here's one way that you can deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yes, the principal was in place and they would say certain things like, you can come up to us at any time. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I also had that, I don't want to be a snitch. Mm -hmm. And so not saying something I thought was helping me, I became the most vulnerable. Okay. Can I, I, I want to switch gears a little bit sure. here and say, if you saw your, if you walked into a room and your 12 year old self was at a, a table like mm -hmm. you and I are today, what would, what advice would you give him? Well, I would give myself um, some advice to say, it's going to be okay. You know, our, but when you're 12, your perspective is your reality. And at that age, you think that the problems you have, you're going to have forever. And that is not true. You know, um, it's only temporary, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and sometimes we, we we kids end up taking permanent solutions, and 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 I'll just say it because you know it is what it is, and I get it a lot. But sometimes when when kids have crazy thoughts of ending their life, mm -hmm. you know that is a permanent solution to temporary problems. Mm -hmm. right. 
And, and usually when, when kids have temporary problems, if there's not enough adults in their lives, mm -hmm. you know, we, the more kids in their corner, uh, the more they can get through problems and issues. And so, so what happens is when kids have issues and, and they're not reaching out or we're not seeing the warning signs, man, there's not enough like people in their corner, just mm -hmm. like a boxer. The most successful boxers are those who have a lot of people in their corner. They come out and they're ready and they're ready to go at it. They can perform. Well, same thing for students. It's hard for students to perform well when they don't have anybody in their corner. And you, you, just to take that analogy back, and you, you can see them sitting down at the corner, and the other guy who's their bully is has all his friends, he has all his gang members around mm -hmm. him, and here I am sitting in the corner by myself, you know, mm -hmm. because I didn't reach out and I didn't report, and I didn't ask anybody to help me. And so you can kind of visualize that, and, that, and the bell's about to ring. Yeah. And I got to get back up and I got to go back to class. You see that? And so we got to help kids. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was hard. It was difficult. But, um, you know, as parents, that's why we got to come in and say, not just me, but other caring adults. Let's mm -hmm. introduce our kids to other adults that they can reach out to when something's happening. Great. Fabian, kids mm -hmm. often emulate their parents. What is one way that we can rethink the way that we treat other people? Yeah, so my biggest uh, takeaway that I like to give to, um, to to kids is, you know, we can't control how other people treat us. Mm -hmm. The only thing that we can control is our response. And so I like to, hey, let's talk about our response. How do we respond? You know, when my, when my I have a seven-year-old, when my seven-year-old comes up and says, so-and-so said this to me, my number one question to her is, well, how did you respond? Mm -hmm. All right? Because that's what I want to know. How did you respond? And so... I like for her to respond with the golden rule. And usually I, I coach her on how to do that. Well, let's talk about, there's a difference between how people usually respond. And that, that's what I want to talk to parents about at this moment, because most people respond with the law of reciprocity. And the law of reciprocity says this, when you're nice to me, I'm nice to you, right? That's easy. When, when a student is nice to another student, then that student is nice back. Mm -hmm. That's how most people live their lives. However, the only, the only thing that's wrong with the law of reciprocity is this. The moment you're mean to me, then I'm going to be what? I'm going to mean, I'm going to be mean back because mm -hmm. I'm going to reciprocate mm -hmm. the energy you're giving to me, in other words, right? That's the law of reciprocity. That's how most people live their lives. And we're talking about the golden rule. Now, the golden rule is to treat others the way you want to be treated, mm -hmm. right? And everybody knows the golden rule. From the time that they're little kids, every school I go to, they know the golden rule. And I always ask, how do you like to be treated then? Good, nice, kind, mm -hmm. respect, those kind of words. And so I say, okay, well, if we're supposed to treat others the way you want to be treated, how are you going to treat people? Kind, nice, respect. Then I go back to the teaching. <clears throat> I say, look, the golden rule was meant to be implemented on people who aren't mean to you. Most people know the golden rule, but very few people actually implement the golden rule. Everybody lives by the law of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. See, because we live on this, you know, if you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong, right? You say something about me, man, I'm going to say something about you, and it's going to be worse. Because everybody, especially, again, with guys who don't, what you don't talk out, you act out, I'm going to show you who's going to be the alpha male on campus, mm -hmm. right? And so we're just going to go at it, and I'm going to win. The result is I'm going to win whatever, whatever necessary, right? And I say, no, let's, let's go back to the golden rule, mm -hmm. right? The, what we've learned from first grade, second grade, I'm going to treat people with love, kindness, respect, no matter how they treat me. I'm going to pause right there for a second because watch this. I'm not saying for you to run over me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that. 
In fact, if someone puts their hands on you physically, then that's a crime. You need to report that, right? So that's why I always pause right there because I always say that. I, I, I'll tell kids, I'm going to treat people with love, kindness, and respect no matter how they treat me. And then I'll say, no, I'm not going to let you run over me though, right? But I'm going to put my flag in the ground and I'm, you're going to know where I stand. Every day I come to school, you're going to know I'm going to show love, kindness, respect to people. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of how they treat me. In fact, if, they, if someone treats me bad, two things are happening. Number one, they're either hurting about something, and we kind of already talked about that. Or two, I haven't trained you how, how I'd like to be treated yet. See that? Mm -hmm. Funny how I'm back in control now, mm -hmm. you know? Someone picks on me, I'm not losing control. They want me to lose control. In fact, if I lose control, that probably gives them more control right? More power. In fact, they want some kind of a response, but that's the only thing I can control, right? I can't control how you treat me. Right. The only thing I can control is my response. So if you're picking on me, man, you're either hurting about something. It's not about me. It's about you. Or two, I haven't trained you how I want to be treated yet. See, I'm training people, man. As students, I show up to school. You're training, you're training your teachers how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. You're training each other how you want to be treated. And that's the truth every it's day. Empowering. Yes, yeah. very much. Mm -hmm. So what is the main goal you'd like to parents to instill in their kids? So, you know, this answer is it's, it's pretty um, it's pretty simple. And the main goal is for their kids to be resilient. Mm -hmm. And uh, we throw that name around, especially uh, that that word around a lot, especially when you talk about bullying, uh, because the end result is resiliency and uh, resiliency. It's, it's, it's just taking something apart and then putting it back together so that it can function the way it used to, you know? Uh, when we were kids, we had this little this little uh, doll that he had rubber arms and rubber neck and, and you can, you can stretch tear him. Arms? Yeah, stretch arms, stretch arms. <laughs> and we used to stretch his arms and then mm -hmm. you let it go and pow, he comes back and he, he can function again. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is like a picture of resiliency for a student. You know, I show up to school, you say something bad about me, I work it out. I look mm -hmm. for a way to work it out. I resolve the conflict that I have at school. And then I can function again. I don't fall apart. Mm -hmm. And so if your kid falls apart every single time, he's not resilient to what's coming his way. So we want kids to get to a point where they can walk into a school and say, man, I can, I can handle anything that comes my way. Mm -hmm. Why? Because not by myself, but sometimes with the adults that I have around me. Because my mom and dad said, if anything happens, you let me know. We're going to work through this situation. There's not a problem that we can't solve together. And we're going to, we're going to, we're a team. We're going to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we want kids to walk in resilient to the point where it's like, oh, you don't like me? Well, you know what? Not everybody's going to like me, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I got to move on. You know, you don't want to be my friend today. I have other friends too, mm -hmm. you know? But we're going to work it out. We're going to, we're going to resolve our differences, you know? We'll have enemies. That might happen some days. They're mm -hmm. just, some people just don't like each other for whatever right. reason. There's going to be conflict where two or three people are always together. There's mm -hmm. always going to be conflict. So, but you should always live in such a way where even your enemies respect you. And that's one of the things that we can get across to students is, man, live in such a way where, man, people respect you because of the way you live your life, the way mm -hmm. you are respectful to other people. And if they don't like you because of that, that's on them, mm -hmm. you know, not on you. Yeah. So what if a parent is at their wit's end and nothing seems to be helping and they've considered changing schools? What advice would you give to them? Yeah, so it happens and it happens more often than we actually think where because, you know, the school that kids usually go to is a school that they're zoned to, right? Mm -hmm. So like for me, I only went to schools that I was zoned to. 
never did I think I was going to go to like some different school. And like, I, I didn't know I had options when I was 12, right? Mm-hmm. Parents should know that. Parents, you have options. And so had I gone home and said, mom, this is what's happening. Maybe my mom could have said, hey, let's try this school and maybe try a different school and see if it improves. Uh, but some people have already done that. Like you said, parents are usually at their wits end. Mm-hmm. They've, they've taken it to authorities and nothing's working for whatever reason. It's just, for me, I always say, look, safety is the most important thing for your kid. Mm-hmm. And if that's not working, then you should probably look for our alternative schools or alternative methods of teaching your kid. Thank you so much, Fabian. Thank you for listening to K-12 on Learning. To learn more about K-12's tuition-free public online schools, the Destinations Career Academies, or the international and private school options, go to k12.com. We invite you to subscribe so you can join us next time for K-12 on Learning.